Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show, Gabrielle Lindstrom from Sweden. Good morning, Gabrielle. Have I pronounced your name correctly? Yeah, that is 100% correctly. Right. Yeah, and good morning to you, Mark. Good morning. Now, the one thing we know about uh, Gabrielle is he is a Citroën 2CV fan because you've restored one. But the one thing I have discovered, full enough reading an article in a magazine, uh, the 2CV and the restoration of it means a lot more to you than it does to a lot of other people who've restored cars. I mean, your little Citroën has quite an interesting story to tell, or you have an interesting story to tell that the little 2CV is part of. Can you just explain about it all, Gabrielle? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, it's quite a long story, but um, yeah, it all started um, actually from when I was quite young, maybe, you know, maybe around 14, actually, because me and my dad, we didn't have the, the perfect, you know, father and son connection. So, and uh, when I started to get older, I was quite interested in um yeah, mopeds and motorcycles and stuff like that. Uh, my dad was a very big fan of motorcycles and in general quite fan of everything with an engine in it. So, um, But then he saw that I had the, the same of attraction to old machines and we started to get very close. And um, I received, uh, or no, I didn't receive, I actually worked for my own moped because that was the deal. I, I should always try to do every, everything myself because then I learn how the process, you know, works and how uh, where money comes from and all that. So, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, you know, because because my friends and I was like talking when I was like 14 and everybody said that, yeah, I want a, a brand new moped and my father has promised that I will receive one when I'm 15. Okay, okay. And then one, one afternoon I talked to my parents that yeah, all of my friends will get a, a brand new moped uh, when they are 15. So, uh, yeah, I, I really want one too. And they looked at each other and was like, no way, you're going to work for yeah. your own moped. So that, I mean, started my drive to, to working. And fast forward to the, the Citroen, I was actually... Uh, when I was 17, I was uh, starting to become a car mechanic, and uh, we had this car project, uh, like paper schoolwork. So the, the teachers told us that uh, we should write something about cars. It could it could be like anything, but something related to cars. I was like, okay. So what should I write about? And um, then I thought, yeah, maybe I will talk about something about Formula One, uh, the, the brake technology, and maybe some, I don't know, maybe turbos or something like that. I didn't actually know what to write about. So the weeks uh, went by and my dad would come uh, into my room and he told me like, uh, or asked me like that, um, have, you, have you thought about something to write about? I was like, no, actually quite stressed out because my teachers teacher won my paper report quite quite quick 
he told he told me like yeah I have a funny idea okay you can write something about the car restoration maybe I was like okay car restoration but I don't have a car to restore I'm just 17 I was he was like yeah I know but should I mean we could buy one and I can teach you how to restore it but it should be something easy to work with it it should be something iconic it should be something quite charming uh, so we had a list and I was like okay yeah this could be great you know to, to spend some time with your with your dad when you're a young boy it's quite amazing feeling to, to connect once again quite strongly because me me and my my uh, dad was quite close in this point because we talked about cars we talked about restoration we talked about everything and then he told me like okay so so it's up to you now. So go to like um, Craigslist, but yeah, in the Swedish uh, type of you yeah. know, car ad section. So just look out uh, and, and see wh- what type of cars you, you can find. And uh, the main thing is that you're going to buy it with your own money. This is your project, so you should own it and you should really invest your whole heart and, and, and energy into it. So I will just be like, the, the oracle or yeah the the, the grandmaster <laughs> if, if you get stuck i was like okay so okay that's fair so so i was like yeah, like looking through like several pages and i, I saw like the volvo amazon i saw uh, a renault 4 i saw a beetle like a austin mini and try and speak fire because my dad actually uh, lived and uh, worked in England earlier. Like I, I, I wasn't born then, but he had this like connection to try and uh, speak fire. So yeah. I was like, yeah, but those quite cool cars. Um, but uh, he actually um, saw this two CV one day in a um, parking lot with the big, you know, uh, where the grocery. Um, you know, the, the home mark section. Yeah. Like, it was a big parking lot. So we, we saw this, and he saw this 2CV, and then he came to me one day, he's like, maybe you can look for a second 2CV. I was like, okay. And then I saw one, um, and not so uh, far where we live, and I was like, okay, maybe we can uh, look and, and, uh, and, you know, call the, the owner and, and look at the car. So he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So we went there, and the story was quite amazing because the car was like sitting in a, a small garage, uh, was sitting there for like 10 years. So you can imagine the smell uh, and, and uh, you know, it was like rat poo in it. It was covered in dust and, and you know, spider webs. It was quite, quite like a, a shocking first introduction to each other it was like whoa okay this is quite massive but it was cheap so it was only like yeah it was only like uh, 1000 pounds so yeah. uh, around there so it was like okay it was quite cheap and I didn't have you know we didn't have the time to look, to, to drive you know cross continents and, and try to, to find a 2CV or like drive around Sweden we, we just needed one close by so we can look and maybe take it for a drive but this one uh, we, we couldn't start so because the owner the engine was not 100% complete and, and you know covered in 
look at the, the, the chassis and, and, and the doors and stuff like that, the bulkhead. I was like, okay, the chassis was, you know, covered with this, um, uh, like, uh, paint uh, chip uh, cover, like this black. Oh, it, 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 it will be undersealed. Yeah, undersealed, yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, undersealed, yeah. So it was covered, covered with this undersealed protection. So it, it was hard to actually see what was hiding underneath, but I took my trusty screw, screwdriver and just poked and yeah. looked and saw, like, okay, yeah. I think it's quite okay, but it's not 100% like solid, but I think it's, it's good enough. So my, my dad looked at it and said, yeah, I think you're right, son. So, and then we heard the, the, the story because the owner that sold me the car, he was, he was the son of the, of, of, of the previous owner. So uh, he, he, he told me that his, um, his dad was diagnosed with cancer. And that's why the car was sitting there for 10 years. And he had planned this big restoration to, to, to rescue the car, but he didn't have the time and he passed away. And his son didn't have the skills or the big interest into like rescue the car. So that's why the car was sitting there for 10 right. years. And then that's why I became quite interesting because they told me the whole family was actually there because this car meant so much uh, to them so there was there was quite like they want to know what was my plan with it will i like rescue it in a in a in a, uh, in a good way or just like modify it and destroy the car so they, they really wanted me to ensure them that i will i will like rescue the car in a good fashion way and give it a, a new sense of life. I was like, okay, I was 17 back then. So I was like, okay, I, I promise you, the whole family, I will, res I will rescue the car. I will try to restore it the best possible way I can. So, so they sold the car to me and that was the project. So um, we, we, we took a few weeks to like look through the car and see what is what because it's a different sense when you have a lot of time when you have the car on your own like ground you know you're parking yeah. lot and garage then you can really see everything really poke and really like dig deep into it so and then we saw that okay the chassis was actually quite worse than we actually thought because when you see it in the daylight and you can really have time to poke around then you saw ah okay this the chassis is not quite so bad, but it was not 100% good, if you know what I mean. So it was like so-so. So my dad told me, like, okay, we will try to fix it as much as possible because I really want you, son, to to enjoy the car first. Because, yeah. Because can you, can you enjoy the car? Then you will get the energy to actually go through the whole process to restore the car, like, from bottom up. Because... He told me that so many people they like they they they, they take too much in at once, and yeah. then middle then halfway they like oh shit this is a big mountain to climb <laughs> too, much, too much too much money so so yeah so uh, the whole the whole summer were actually planned now so we were just working like side by side son and uh, father and son so it was very nice we were outside in the rain. In the, in the summer heat, 
in the wind. We're just trying to fix the car. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and then one year after that, um, I was in like March that the following uh, the following year. I was uh, turning eighteen, so I was studying for my driver license, and I passed that. And I didn't have a car yet, but the car was actually on its way to be to be completed so that spring me and my father just fixed up like everything we we could do at that point so try to do like to, uh, you know go through the electrics try to start the car try to feel like okay everything's working well uh, and, and, and the gearbox and you know the brake system yeah the, the brake system was quite a big worry for my dad because he told me like yes yeah, well, everybody knows that brakes are quite important, but on old classic cars, it's even more important because you don't have, you know, the safety airbags and ABS. So whatever you have, you need to make sure that it works 100%. So uh, so we went through the brakes a couple of times just to be sure that everything works correctly. So then we took the car to the MOT and the car passed and we were so happy. So, so you were doing something. Then, you were doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, some point point of the you know the the restoration. I mean, because it was only like me, moi, that was working on the car. My father was having you know this camping uh, chair with him. He was like sitting there beside me. Yeah. And I I asked him some questions. He was like, Yeah, but I think you should think about it in this way and can you look at that problem in that way so he was just trying to nudge me into the right mindset but he was quite restrictive with the information he wanted me to think and be creative myself yeah so if i was stuck he wanted me to try like maybe once or twice before he would uh, like give me the answer or, or let me uh, into the answer so so um at that point we were actually quite happy uh this was 2012 so um and uh, i was qu quite done with my yeah with the with the paper report i, I received the top um like m m m v g so it was top notch so good yeah good solid grade so very i was very pleased so uh, I was actually I had I think I had I had the best paper report. So I was quite happy with that because this was a live restoration. So everything I wrote down was actually the way it happened. So yes. it was no like you know you you you, you take information here and, and make it your own. This was the information. This was my own project. So it was something else. It was more like emotion into the paper or into the. Uh, to the whole project itself. So, uh, and then he asked me, "So, what's your plan now, son?" So I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm thinking about uh, going through the, the moving to Luvio." I was like, "Okay, why?" Because because my dad actually, when he was young, he was in the military and uh, he uh, worked with uh, the, in the air force, and uh, he he had flew in some planes from Cessna in his young days and he was like oh, like I said he, he, he always loved like machines and, and cars and motorcycles but airplanes <clears throat> that was a sweet spot for him so yeah. he was quite proud 
that I was actually following his uh, footsteps. So I was like, okay, I will move to Lulu and become a, uh, a aircraft or helicopter technician. Uh, actually, to both, and uh, because one of my strong passions were actually Formula One. Because when I was quite young, like six years old, I, I raced in like go karts and stuff like that. So yeah. I had this passion, you know. When you see Michael Schumacher, you, you saw like Lewis Hamilton on TV. I was like, yeah, yeah, that would be something. So like, yeah. So and uh, I I looked up the the what you need to to have to to become one of one of the Formula One like mechanics and. I received the email from, I emailed like, you know, Ferrari and everybody. And I received actually emails that told me that uh, you need to have an aircraft uh, technician background. I was like, okay, maybe I can take two, two, two birds in one swing. So I was like, yeah, I can, I can be a helicopter and airplane technician. And maybe I can join the Formula One team or something like that. Or just become a, become a racing mechanic. So. That was my plan. So I moved to Lulu. Um, I received the, 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 actually the answer from the school that I was uh, passed. So I, I, I came in. So that was very nice. And that summer, this is 2013 right now, um, or not summer, it was more like springtime. Um, me and my dad, we had this plan to go to, uh, and see Formula One. Um, we we, thought, we we talked about to go to Silverstone first, but then we talked about maybe we should go to Hungary, to Budapest, and, and, and see the, the race over there. Maybe we can take the car. We can take the 2CV as a father and son road trip. But then, like, the weeks after, he was, like, coughing quite, quite bad, and he was feeling very, very, like, sick, and... Uh, then we took him to the hospital and they told him uh, or us that he had lung cancer and um, he uh, the whole you know plan changed and the mood uh, the mood um, just changed yeah. so so yeah I, I, we didn't actually know what to do and he was quite sad and I was sad and like well, what should we do and he told me like okay do like this take your sister I, I, I really want you guys to go on a road trip like and, and to be close to your sister because in life family is the most important thing and right now I need to rest I, I, I will not be able to, to go on this trip with you so um, take your sister I was like okay so you ended up you ended and, up yeah. going you ended up going to Spain didn't you yeah exactly so, so yeah so the plan was the first time with my dad was to go see Formula One, but, but all of that changed. So I just took my sister and we went to Spain, to, to, to Barcelona. Um, so no Formula One, just me and my sister on a road trip. So so we went to, to Barcelona because he wanted me to get this, this connection, connection with the car, uh, just to be proud of, about what we have done so far. And, yeah. and to bring my sister along to you know, to, to just have this, this big sister, uh, brother and sister love and connection with each other. So, so we, we, we went off. Like, I was 20 and he was, uh, she was 17. So, I don't know actually how <laughs> my mom let us go. But, 
but she was quite worried. <laughs> she was quite worried, actually. So we had a fantastic road trip, and like everything went very well. Uh, we had actually a very fun story because we were at the Alps. It was a point where we were driving in the Alps. Um, the car was suffering because it was quite hot that day, and you know you can imagine only having like 602 cc and around 30 horsepower 32 yeah. but some horses have actually escaped back <laughs> then but now brought back so um, but then uh, when we were in the top of that you know uh, hill climb on the on the uh, alps then we needed to go down again so we we saw this you know sos like parking uh, spaces but all of those parking uh, parking spaces were like hold up by big lorries because you can see like overheated brakes everywhere like you can see some lorries actually it was this big thick smoke from the uh, from the brakes and i just had this feeling like okay because it's the drum brake all around it was quite steep and just like holding the brake in a quite long you, you, you started to notice that the, the brake was like getting quite weird, like 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 a sponge. So, yeah, so you begin you, you, you begin you be getting brake fade. Exactly, exactly. And my sister was like, like looking at me like in a very strange way. It was like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, and and then I just felt like the brake was like, okay, now it's really bad. <laughs> um, so I just let go. I just let go and trying to, you know, cross between the traffic and just let go. And because the brake was almost 100% gone. So yeah. at that point, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and then we saw, like, this Italian uh, cop, this, this policeman with this, you know, uh, laser beam uh, uh, speedo sensor. He was like, I saw him targeting my car. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then we just passed him by. And then you hear this, you know, this this uh, signal like, woo! <laughs> and he came after us. And then I noticed that my, my brake is, uh, is getting quite uh, cool now. So I could stop the car. And the policeman was screaming in Italian like, oh! And he was like, you're trying to explain in English. Well, why didn't you stop? Why are you going so fast? And I told him, overheated brakes. But he, he thought that was light. So yeah. I opened the hood because in the 2CV you have inboard brakes. Yeah. So you can actually see, you, you saw the smoke. You can feel, uh, feel the, the, you know, the, the brake uh, smell. Like yeah. burned the brakes or burned clutch. It was like so strong. It was yeah. like, okay. Um, I see now why you couldn't stop. So, um, and I told him like it was it was kind of quite awkward moment. We looked at each other. It was like okay, um, you have a beautiful car, so uh, never mind. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, now, on, on, on the, when you were returning from Spain, you discovered that the car had another slight problem. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because when we were in. Barcelona, we actually thought that, yeah, it may be time to go back home because we had this quite, uh, you know, 
we talk with each other, me and my dad talk with each other quite a lot, and my sister, of course. And my mom told us, you know, gave us some updates about uh, how he, he was feeling. So then we, we started to think, yeah, maybe it's time to go, go back home. So we, uh, yeah, were actually planning to go the other side uh, around Europe to go past Belgium this time and uh, I noticed that before I was like googling like Citroen uh, Susie specialist because I was actually planning to buy some spa, uh, some parts and talk to some uh, you know mechanics some pros yeah. uh, specialists so so I took the car to them and uh, they uh, looked at the car because I had this quite strange feeling because I was driving around Belgium and they're quite famous for this, you know, stone, I don't know how to say it, but it's... Uh, the pa- the, fam- the famous Belgian paved roads. Belgium is famous yeah. for having some of the worst roads in Europe. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was potholes and it was like this, this, this stone uh, tarmac uh, and it was quite harsh ra- uh, ride from, from like specific uh, areas where we're driving. And uh, then I started to notice this quite unusual flexing. So I thought it was the the suspension, but then I just had this quite, I don't know, this this, this, this stomach feeling that something isn't quite right. So uh, I I talked to the mechanic and I told him, can you look at the car? Can you take it on the lift and just look uh, and hopefully just something easy to fix? And he uh, took the car on the lift, and you can hear him like, oh, my God, oh, shit. Like, oh, God, God. <laughs> and I was, like, standing there like, okay, this isn't good. Um, okay. Uh, and I, like, told him or asked him, like, have you found anything? He was like, yeah, this is a quite big problem here. Uh, then he just pointed me at some nasty, like, cracks on the frame yeah and he t- he took a, a screwdriver and they had the flashlight it was like poking and like can you see this but yeah you have two massive cracks on the frame that's why um you you feel that the car is flexing yeah okay um okay that that's not good but no that's really really bad okay um and he told me like if i would if i were you i will would order like a transport a firm and transport the car to Sweden. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be driving this but because if that fails, it's finito, it's done. Yeah. If, if you are on the highway, so, I mean, it's very, very serious. I was like, okay. And then I received the phone call that my dad was very, very ill and uh, he was rushed, rushed into hospital. And, you know, you had that moment where it, you actually didn't know what to do. Should I just be here in the in Belgium and, and deal with all the hustle, you know, with the like transportation firms and stuff like that, or just take a chance, a leap of faith, and just go with the car and, and, and come home? And my sister was quite nervous, and uh, I, I can tell because her face was actually very, very like pale. <laughs> and I was like, what should we do? I don't know. Uh, so I just went w- with my gut feeling. I just had one knee on the ground, put my hand on the hood, the bonnet, and I, I just 
much it will cost. I don't care how long it will take. I will, I will restore you to 100% like mint condition. Yeah. I, I promise you that. So, so I just went on. I just, and the, the car mechanic was looking at me like with crazy eyes. Like, okay, you're a very stupid guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just, I just went. I just went. I didn't want to look at the rear mirror. I just, I didn't want to see the, the mechanic. I just went. And, uh, and we actually made it. So this is where it gets very, very spooky. This is where I, I really believe that the universe or God or somewhere or something, some power actually hurt me. Because when I, when I put the, the, the reverse in and, and back the car into my parking lot, then, and, 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 and shut down the engine, shut off the engine then you can hear this crack yeah. and that was the point the frame actually cracked so and you, I, I was like crying I was like oh my god oh my god shit wow well, we, we made it and uh, okay, so basically you got back home the, yeah. the car got you back home and it snapped in half yeah 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 it snapped in half and you can see that in the, in the steering column so it snapped in half at, at, the, at the at the you know the front uh, with the engine, uh, uh, with the engine use, the, the engine and the gearbox. You yeah. can actually see it's a quite like like a strong uh, section, bulk section there on the frame. So you can actually you saw that a big crack appeared there. So the the, the, the frame was done; it was finito. So, but we made it. Um, so uh, that was a victory. And from that day. I I had this feeling in my in my stomach. Okay, I will I will. A promise is a promise. So when I actually took my other car and rushed to the hospital, I I talked to my dad and told him that we are just uh, back here and the the, the frame was uh, actually cracked at the parking lot and he was like looking at the sky like the ceiling and was like oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. He was, he was very happy. He was very happy about, wow, I, I really am very glad that you took your sister and everything went well. And the only part that actually, um, like, stopped stopped working on, along the way in, in our road trip was the radio. So, because it, it was an aftermarket radio, I bought in a second-hand market. So, that was the only thing that actually broke. Uh, uh, so, I was quite happy with my emotional moment me and my dad we talked about what to do with the car and I told him yeah at this point right now I need to plan for a big restoration of nothing bolt he was like yeah you should and you should honor the universe and you know a promise is a promise and you should be a man with integrity so that was one of my quite first lessons from my dad from early age that you should always keep your promises so uh, from from there from there you have completely restored the car, haven't you? It's it's like being back to brand new. Yeah, from that point, after I was like saying goodbye to my dad, and the day after we we actually spoke, he he passed away, and before that, actually, I I told him I will restore the car to your to your glory and to the universe five years from now. And he was like quite, uh, he was like emotional because he was like, I'm sorry that I couldn't go the, uh, the whole way with you. And I'm sorry that we couldn't finish what we started 
because I really wanted to be there when we do the big restoration. But right now, you are the man now, and you should you should be able to to tackle this problem yourself. Yeah, and I, I have faith in you, my son. And and, and that was actually the, the the final word. And they, I left the hospital. I said I loved him, and I will fix the car, restore the car five years from now. And then they passed away. And then. I started 2014, I planned for everything, what I needed to do. And from that point, five years uh, into the future, I had the car completely finished. I, I had a brand new chassis, a brand new body shell, because the body was, was so bad. You know, the, when you started to actually calculate the hours to, to actually complete uh, to complete the, 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 the rust uh, to, to cut everything off uh, away and, and welding new panels and welding everything and some of the welding I needed to have like a, a like some like good welder or profession yeah uh, a pro so so uh, some of the work I couldn't handle myself so when you start to calculate everything, then you see like, oh, okay, this is going to be very, very, very expensive. <laughs> so I, I actually went to buying a brand new body shell. And just to know that everything is brand new and everything is good, like the metal is good. And, and the, 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 the good point was that it was, the body shell was galvanized as well. So you have a galvanized shell, so you have a galvanized body shell, and the engine... I I took uh, and, and just you know uh, went through the whole engine, nothing bolts. So I restored the whole engine, new cylinder heads, new pistons, new 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 rings, new new uh, almost everything was new on the engine. Uh, and I power coated all the you know the 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 cooling uh, you know not fans but this cooling plate you know yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, I don't know if we call it looms, but yeah, cooling, cooling plate. Yeah. It's surrounded around, you know, the cylinder and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I, I went through the whole car, new electrics, new seats, new, uh, new, uh, two new doors, uh, new roof, like almost the whole, like 95% of the car when I was finished was brand new. Yeah. So it took five years and 2,000 hours and to actually, to finish off the car, I wanted to mark the car with the date my father passed away. So uh, in, the, in, the, in the paper, in the cl classic sports car magazine, um, you can see that the car has this number seven on the door and that number seven is the date that my father passed away. So I wanted something of him to, to be in the car. So because the car is also called Valentine, which was your father's exactly. middle name. Yeah, exactly. And Valentine was his middle name. So I, I, I wanted, because actually from that point, I didn't have a name for the car. I just called it, you know, the little Citroen. So I didn't have a name for the car. And so it was so certain that the car will be, will, will be called Valentine. Uh, and the car will have number seven on it. So the lucky number seven. So, uh, so but, from there, I mean, uh, you've you've, yeah. dri you've driven it to Croatia and back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last year, to 
2019. I had the car MOT in May, and the car passed. Actually, it was quite funny because the, the MOT guy, he was like, wow, we have a very thrifty two severe. And it was like, have you built the car from ground up? I was like, yes. Uh, he was like, okay, I will bet you uh, like two pounds uh, that if, if I can find any faults, because when you do a big restoration like that, you, you're quite certain to, to miss something, like something maybe is not 100% correct. So it was like, okay, if, if I will find something, then you will pay full price. Or if I don't find anything, I will, I will give you a, a good price for the MLT. I was like, okay, so, so uh, okay, game, game gone. So he was like looking, he, he actually took in a friend so there were two MOT guys in my car. They was like looking through the, the brake lines, looking through everything. It was like, wow, this car is brand new. And then I told them, did you find anything? No, the the, the brake test at MOT center was like perfect. All the brakes are perfect. Everything was perfect. So I, I, I got a quite good discount. Uh, I was very happy that the, the car passed. So And then I planned to go to the, because I knew that Citroen was holding this 100-year celebration uh, outside Paris. So I wanted to go to Citroën to just to have you know the car back on the road again. Yeah, and and to to let my father know that the car is back, and to bring along my sister this time because the first time I had my sister, and this time I had my sister, and we took a quite nice photo. I don't know. Because I don't have actually received the magazine yet. I don't know how it all looks. All right, you, uh, you, you've got a very, very nice two-page spread in the magazine. If, if listeners are wondering, oh, okay. it's in Gab <laughs> Gabrielle's stories in the latest edition of Classic and Sports Car. The photographs of him with the car and out and about on his travels. So, I mean... This is absolutely fantastic, Gabrielle. As I said, when I read the story, I thought this is something that uh, listeners to the Backseat Drive radio show will find fascinating. So uh, the, only, the only thing I can say, Gabrielle, is thank you very much for your time. Thank you for producing an absolutely fantastic story. I mean, th this is the sort of classic car stories why people do what they do with classic cars. Exactly, exactly. And thank you, thank you, Mark. Because I just wanted to. I don't know if you. I can. I can actually inform you with another thing that right now, actually, I have uh, written a, a book called Automotive Legacy because that book has inspired me to to inspire more young people. Because when I'm talking with older like car enthusiasts, it's they're so happy that young people like myself, are very interested in classic cars. And that is something I want to keep doing, try, try to inspire more people, because it's, I mean, for me, it's two types of car people outside in the world. It's like the, the, the people that like cars, and some, some people actually love and like every, love every aspect of a car, like driving it, the smell of it, you know, the lines of it. And I really want to empower more, like young people, to to get involved in that lifestyle. So um, that's why, with this story, I, I couldn't just sit there uh, and holding my story for myself. I just wanted to, you know, get out there and just trying to inspire more people because I know that some young people are quite lost. They don't they don't know what to do. They 
like this. And I can like proudly tell them and, 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 and inform them or inspire them that they can. Just if you have enough like driven passion for what you're doing, you can actually tackle mo- most restoration. Uh, so um, I think it's a it's a great like because you learn so much, you yeah. skills that you thought you never would have before before and, and, and you you're growing up and you're starting to know that okay I'm, I'm quite good I'm, I'm I'm not useless if you know what you know you, you, you have something for you going so that was my point so to everybody that's listening to this I just wanted to say I'm quite proud to be a part of the classic car movement I'm very proud to know that my father I actually know that my father looking down and very pleased to see the results and uh, I'm very glad that uh, yeah my book Outsmoke Legacy is out, actually out in amazon.co.uk uh, so it's a fantastic book where, where it's a balance between a magazine and a book something like a copy book something uh, nicely to read easy to read and yeah, something fun for everybody that is car enthusiast and people that are starting to become a car enthusiast. So, yeah, that is everything I want to say. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic, Gabriel. Gabrielle Lindstrom and Valentine Seven, thank you so much for joining me on the Backseat Drive Radio Show. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you over in Sweden. And once again, Gabrielle, thank you very much indeed. Price never beaten on service. Whether it's cars, bikes, or commercials, Hoddy Tires are the best in the business. And when it comes to tire expertise and advice to supplying the correct tires for your vehicle's specific requirements, nobody comes close to David Lakin and the Hoddy Tires team. So give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk. 